Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, We Agnostics, page 56, the third paragraph, starting with the paragraph that says, this man recounts that he tumbled and ending with conscious companionship with his creator, that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Joanne L., 12 Traditions, Chris G., reading the text are Anita L., Tenzin P., and our backup is Barb W., the newcomer greeter is Sandy K., and the host of the second hour is Karen K. The reference numbers for Thursday, January 19, 2023, 7 a.m. meeting is 19,869. That's 19869. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 19,870. That's 19870. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover. Through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone, especially to the newcomers. My name is Joanne L. from Rhode Island, recovered in Rhode Island. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him, to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us in the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so very much for allowing me to read. Have a good day. I pass. You, thank you so much, Joanne L. Okay, I will now ask Chris G. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Katie. These are the 12 traditions. I'm Chris G., and I live in Tennessee. The first tradition is number one. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And number 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Chris G. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Sorry, I'm mixed up here. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in chapter four, page 56, the third paragraph. This man recounts that he stumbled, ending with conscious companionship with his creator, that one paragraph only. And I will ask Anita L. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Oh, wow. What a beautiful, beautiful paragraph. I feel so honored to be able to uh, share on it, you know, um, and let others actually hear my feelings. Um, So uh, I 100% relate into the respect that, you know, he was just brought to his knees when recognizing the fact that, you know, who am I to say there's no God? Uh, You know, I'm no better than anyone else. And who am I to say that there's nothing greater than me that can restore me to sanity, my thinking, my acting, and my behaving with others? Um, And so he was overwhelmed. And I felt that way as well. I remember uh, it was probably... 43, 44 years ago, um, when I was in OA, I had been in for a short period of time. I came in, came into OA um, in 1978, and I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with the word God. Definitely, it just like went right over my head. And then there was this one day where I was so filled with not because of food that had nothing to do with it because I was living in recovery at the time but it was with life and I needed to make a very important decision and and so um, I was just so scared I was scared to take that leap of faith and then all of a sudden Guys, you have no idea. I was driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, the thought came to me. In OA, they say, let go and let God. And right at that second, just like it says here, I felt overwhelmed with the idea that I must, I must have my higher power right then. And I was so... um, immature I really didn't know anything spiritual at all and I thought the only place I could uh, be with my higher power was in my place of worship and so I went and I had a spiritual experience and I've shared this before 
I went into the gym after I was done there and a friend was coming out and she looked at me and she said, wow, where have you been? You're glowing. So guys, my higher powers presence was just exuding from my body. Just like it says, a great tide at flood. And I definitely know what that is like because I grew up a block and a half from the beach. And when that tide comes in, it's all the way up to the bulkhead, you know. Uh, Or if you're at the bay, it's all the way up to the top there. So I just felt so filled with a loving energy that I had never known it before. And I had that inner peace and serenity. And I remember feeling, okay, just infinite power and love. And that's who I was with, the presence of infinite power and love, my God. So with that, I thank you all so much, and I pass. Thank you so much for your beautiful share, Anita L. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. Um, So who would like to share on this third paragraph on page 56? Tina F. Janet B. Christina K. Janet B. Darren K. Christina J. Melissa C. Okay. Janet B. Okay. Um, Denise O. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to write as fast as I can. I know I missed at least one. Okay. Here's who I heard. Tina S. Janet B. Karen K. Christina L. Uh, Melissa C. Denise O. And there was one other person I thought I heard. Lisa N. Rachel Dara L. And Dara. Yeah, I knew I heard you, Dara. Sorry. Lisa M. Dara L. And there was just one more who said. I, I, I said my name, Christina J., but maybe you heard L. Oh, no, it's not. It is Christina J. Sorry, I wrote it wrong. Um, okay, so let's go with this list. Tina S., Janet B., Karen K., Christina J., Melissa C., Denise O, Lisa M, and Dara L. Go ahead, Tina. If I missed anyone, Thanks you so much. come up on the second one. Okay, go ahead, Tina. Thanks. Sure. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, you know, I always think that I can't relate to this chapter, you know, and it just gets so overwhelming, you know, when we read the paragraph. And Anita, thank you so much. What a wonderful share. And I, I totally uh, relate to, to your share. You know, I can remember back in you know, the last time I went to treatment was in um, July of 1999. And, um, you know, I remember, and it had to be later than that because at the time I couldn't even think. And so this period I was, I remember driving my car and I was listening to a, I, I don't know if it was, back then, it probably was a CD maybe, I, I don't know, probably CD. But anyway, it was, I was listening to Amazing Grace and I remember having to stop my car. You know, and, and every time I think about that, I get really emotional because, you know, it just came over me. You know, it it wasn't on my knees, but it just poured over and through me. You know, just like it talks about in this paragraph. 
you know, I knew that, you know, I was in the presence of infinite power and love. And, you know, and I finally, you know, because, you know, that wasn't the first time I had come to OA or to a treatment center or anything like that. It was, you know, first time I came into the rooms was in 1987. So this is 1999, quite a few years later, you know, and, and I knew that, that this thing was going to take care of me and that I was okay. But, you know, you know, it, you know, it's just amazing because in those moments, you know, I'm, I am ready to do it all. You know, I'm ready to put, put, you know, um, to do the work, you know, but, it, and it does pass, but I can, I can still remember sitting in my car, just like Anita said, I remember the car I had at the time. <laughs> I remember sitting in it and just being like overwhelmed and feeling so secure you know, and, and, and it talks about for the first time, and this was my first time for sure, because I believed in God, but not, nothing like this. For the first time, I lived in conscious companionship with my creator. And it was just so beautiful. You know, and when I, when I remember that kind of stuff, when we read the book over and over and over, and that's why I love it, you know, and then I remember this, you know, it keeps me connected for the day, because I, I, I have that feeling again today. You know, and it's just, it's, it's overpowering and it's wonderful. And if it weren't for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the spiritual awakening, what comes about through the, through the 12 steps would not have had this. And I, and I continue to have it today. And so grateful. So listen, um, want to li- listen to more of the shares. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Janet B., you're up, followed by Karen Kay. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating in New Jersey. What a beautiful, like, God-saturated paragraph. It's just the wording is exquisite, right? The majesty of a great tide at flood, all this stuff. But it's, I think it's just so cool. One paragraph ago, here's this guy saying bitterly, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. And then he changes, like, in one paragraph. And what happens, right? What goes from, like, the bitter self-pity Well, I think he was probably doing what I used to do, and that's treating God like a genie in the bottle. Like, God, come out, remove my food obsession, and then go back in your bottle until I need you again. And obviously, that didn't work, and I spent years miserable. Um, So he was like that, but then he gets a little open-minded, right? Is it possible all the religious people I've known are wrong? That's kind of like, oh, okay, maybe there's a God. And I think sometimes that's where we have to start with maybe. And then he says, you know, again, what was read yesterday, who are you to say there is no God, he hears. But then what happens to make him tumble out of bed to his knees? And I love how his story is written on page 215, like the whole story of the minister's son. And he'd actually gone to another patient in the asylum and, you know, and said, basically, I need to know how to pray. And the guy says, well, you've probably just been begging God, right? And he says, yep. And he says, no. The thing to do is to say, God, here I am and here are all my troubles. I've made a mess of it and can't do anything about it. You take me and all my troubles and do anything you want with me. And that's when he had his spiritual experience. And I have to say, like, I had the same kind of experience. I was stuffing bagel chips down my throat behind a locked bathroom door. I went to a meeting, I took a sponsor who I knew would not enable me, and I left that meeting determined to be honest no matter what, and I said a similar prayer. I said, God, I've always had fixed ideas of what you were like and how to worship you, 
I'm willing to admit it's all wrong and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. And that was it. That was the end of my binging. But I followed it up with doing what I knew. I didn't know much, but I knew I had to be honest. I knew I had to help other people. And, you know, on the next page, it tells us that what the minister's son experienced and what I experienced was a miracle of healing. But it tells us its elements are simple, like a recipe. All we have to do is become willing and then surrender and do what we know. And we can all experience this miracle of healing and have conscious companionship. I think we read those words so much that the awesomeness of it escapes us. Conscious companionship with our creator. And our program promises nothing less than that, right? It's In its essence, it's not about food plans and um, phone calls. Time, please. It's li- Thanks. It's about living in conscious companionship with our creator. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janet B. Okay, Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Christina J. Good morning. My name is Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credit stone transfer. I love this chapter. You know, um, it, for me, it talks about, especially this paragraph about um, a, a, a relationship and, you know, how do I do that? You know, there's all this whole book is just so, this chapter is just, it's, it's like a journey in finding my my higher power outside myself. And I like uh, when uh, Melissa says sometimes my God has to think. I never thought of that before, no pun intended. But my higher power has to be able to think. And um, so what I've learned is, okay, I've heard about I need a relationship. Well, how do I do that? So since um, um, April this past year, I started getting on a Zoom meeting, and it's called On Awakening. And that's just what it says right in the book. It's a 30-minute meeting, boom, 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 and it kicks my day. And then I go into sponsoring. And it's such a beautiful thing to have that connection in the morning. So, okay, so that's nice. Um, I'm spiritual all by myself, and then I go out, out in the world. And then I find I ask God for help. And I ask, I even like can just pretend in a way that my God is holding my hand, directing me throughout the day. I have this one reminder on my phone and I can't get it off. It's like, I think it's like every hour and a half it goes off at some meeting. I, I don't know what it is, but I can't get it off my Google phone. So, which is a beautiful thing. So when that goes off, it steers me to what, what is, what is the next right thing? You know, um, and for me, that relationship with my higher power is a, is a reminder because I can get caught up in the world and all that static and noise goes on and my higher power can't get in. So that's how building that relationship and I, my, my higher power can take when I'm angry. I don't have a Santa Claus God, which I did at, 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 at one time. And it's a relationship just like I would have with my husband or a friend. And, you know, it has to be able to withstand good times and bad times and when I'm in the in-between or the fourth dimension. And with that, I will pass and I'll see you at the second hour host. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Christina J., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of North Carolina. Thank you for your service, Katie. Everyone's shares has been right on. 
Well, I wanted to share yesterday, but God did not let my voice get hurt because he wanted me to have an experience yesterday. I had a spiritual experience that I've never had before in program. I've had step one experiences, experiential moments that have saved my ass many times. Recently, I've been in and out of relapse. And for those that are in relapse out there and in and out, I got, a, I got an experience to share with you. Simple but not easy. Yesterday morning, I left the house. I was in the grip of the physical addiction. The grip. The obsession of the mind was mad. I could not steer myself away from it. I can't do this. I'm powerless. I am powerless. As soon as I got to an area where I had service again... I was fantasizing about the Valentine candy I was going to pick up from the store. This tiny little voice reached through my phone and made a call. They weren't there. I left a message. I was still on my way to the store. I reached again for the phone. I called another number. They weren't there. I left another message. I became a little bit more willing. I reached for the phone again. I called again. I left another message. But this time I was starting to, to see the shore. I reached for the phone again and someone picked up. And they walked me off the ledge. That is a spiritual experience. For you that are in relapse, that can be the first, one of the most important spiritual experiences you have, which is pick up the phone and reach out. Don't isolate that tiny whisper that says, fuck it. Go for the food. And the other tiny voice that says, call. I'm sorry, I meant to say the large voice that says, F it and go for the food, against a tiny voice. I've had that tiny voice many, many, many times. But the pain of relapse is the touchstone. You know, it's the touchstone. We touch that heart of pain and we say, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to live this way. A friend that I talked to said... The little girl in you wants Valentine candy. Sure she does. But the adult knows that you're killing yourself. That doesn't stop me normally. None of your great program words stop me. The pain made me willing. And that is a spiritual experience because by the time I got to the office, I felt free. I felt clean. No, I had a hard day because I was withdrawing from the sugar. But I felt free. I felt stronger. And today I'm willing to keep making those calls. The thousand-pound phone suddenly is my hero. And I want to say this to all the people that have relapsed and are in relapse or just trying to get this. We don't have to have a great moment. Time, please. Going through. We can have that moment today. You can pick up the phone today and you can find that spiritual experience. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Christina J. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Denise O., Hi, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and <laughs> I feel like I always say, this is one of my favorite paragraphs, but it, it really is because it's got, um, you know, it's got my my first conception of God, which is infinite power and love. Um, and I just think what could be more beautiful than that? Um, you know, I but I, I love this story because, I, I love the change in the minister's son because it truly demonstrates just how powerful a miracle really is and that it's about available for all of us, right? And that he 
he comes first with like this arrogance and an anger saying that, you know, he can't believe because God hasn't done anything for him. And we hear like, you know, he rattles off like all his painful struggles, right? Dizziness, calamities, illness, and alcoholism. And and he's embittered and depressed, right? And then, but then he asks himself, could I be wrong? And that, that to me is the beautiful entry point. Like, could I be wrong? You know, and, and that's humility. Like, an honest admission of where I'm lacking and a, a sincere desire for something greater. And and then what he gets is he gets to stand in the presence of infinite power and love. And, um, you know, and then an awareness of God's presence. And, and like, what did that look like for me? Um, I think like him, I was really angry and arrogant about God. Um, and I would point out that God didn't exist. Or I used to say, well, if God does exist, he hates me, right? And I would rattle off all my tragedies. And they were real, just like him. But I think I was confused by my tragedies. I took them personally, <laughs> as though all tragedies were being done to me rather than just the part of the human experience. And I was embittered because God didn't follow my plan. I had it backwards. And, you know, but similarly to him, um, I was met by alcoholics and compulsive overeaters in whom the problem had been solved. And all of them, the ones that had what I wanted, had a relationship with God. Not just a belief, but a friendship. And so today, like I have to say, my conscious companionship with my creator is the most significant part of my recovery. Like my weight loss, 160 pounds off, fabulous. The friendships I've made in this program, phenomenal. My family life improved, yep, wonderful. But the most significant part of my life is that I'm awake and I'm aware of a friendship with my creator. And I just think that's so powerful. And I know I'm out of time, but that we get a friendship and a a relationship with the creator. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Denise O, you're up, followed by Lisa M. Hi, this is Denise O, recovered from Wisconsin. Um, At first, when I reading this passage, I thought to myself, I couldn't really relate to it because it was so like, on my knees, I'm overwhelmed with God, and, and did I have that experience? And then it took me about mm, two seconds, and I thought, wait a minute, yes, I had this. It, it may not look quite as big and huge as this, but I remember in um, last month, last March, I had a, and I was not in the program last March, I was uh, at a death in the family, and I just ate over it, I isolated myself, I was not doing okay. Um, so in May, I um, went to OA, and I thought to myself, I got to give this a try. And it wasn't, yes, it was about the weight, but it was obviously something more significant than that. Because um, I felt alone, really alone. And then I started, and then I got a sponsor in November, so I was in, just going to regular meetings, May through 
um, November that I got a sponsor, and that significantly changed. Um, gave me some guidance, only to pray. I started praying. Um, I started reaching out. And I started to do some action, not just thinking, but doing. Um, and I realized I don't have to be alone because life, there's lots of things that happen in life. And eating over them, it's not the way to do it. Um, so that was kind of cool. And so I realized that. And it was, it was that moment where I thought, I don't have to be alone anymore. It was pretty nice. And then something, too, that was really cool is I went to uh, Christmas Eve Mass this year. And the priest actually talked about 12-step programs and just how, what a blessing they are and how you can have a relationship with God. And I'm sitting in the pew and I'm thinking, I think he's talking directly to me. God, through the priest. So I definitely want to have a relationship with God. And now when I want to do what I want to do, which hasn't worked in the past, I always say to myself, I will not mine be done. And it gets me through the day. And I do, I am developing a much stronger relationship with God. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Denise. Okay, Lisa M., you're up, followed by Dara L. And first, let me just say, <clears throat> we are on page 56, um, the third paragraph, this man recounts. So if more people would like to share after Dara L., I'll be calling for a new list. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, Katie, and thank you so much for your service. And it's Lisa N., as in Nancy, and I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, good morning, everyone, and you guys, wow, you are so amazing already this morning. It's just an amazing morning. When I hear that the man tumbled out of bed to his knees, I I remember the difference between praying in my chair um, when I first started this program and a few years ago starting to pray on my knees. There is a difference. For me, there was, and I've had like several different kinds of experiences that were profound enough for me to really remember. The first time it was when after two years of kind of going to a meeting once in a while, maybe listening or hearing something somebody said, I mean, really, I, for two years, I was just, you know, not present in the meetings, but I was in and out, finally heard from a higher power definitely within me, you know, you better do this now, this is time, and um, getting a sponsor. After 30 days, definitely knowing that I had had a spiritual experience and was not in food. Um, so I had that initial one, but as as time went on, I mean, I had more experiences, not every day, but like I said, profound ones. One time I had this experience where um, there's a, a singer named George Beverly Shea, and I love his voice. It's amazing. Um, and he sang for Billy Graham Crusade, so you know he was really good. Um, anyway, I heard him, his son say that one day he walked in and saw his father on his knees. And I thought, man, if a guy like that can get down on his knees, I I don't know, and to be an example to your child where your child sees, sees you in awe of God or humbling yourself before God, I need to do that too. And that's when I started, and it made 
this in, in really profound difference in my prayer life. So I love it that, you know, when we're humbled, we feel that as a gift, not as a, you're bad, you're below, you're, you know, you're beneath. And I love that somebody said this, we don't have to understand God, we have to stand under him. And that's one of my favorite things to to say to people that I'm working with, because so often I don't understand God all the time. I never will. But I can stand under him. I can pray on my knees. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Lisa, that was Lisa Ann as in Nancy from Wisconsin. And now we'll have Dara L. Great. Thanks so much for your service, Katie. And um, thank you, Anita, for the lead share. Thanks, everyone, for being here. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Philadelphia, and um, I love what's been shared so far. I've had many incredible light bulb experiences of feeling overwhelmed by the presence and the power of God and by God's love for me and um, have been snatched from the jaws of death, um, you know, and transported into the fourth dimension, which I think is wonderful. But the thing that really stands out to me today is the idea of conscious companionship. And um, something that's a little embarrassing, but that I will share is that, um, you know, as an addict, I'm always seeking an orgasmic experience of God. Like I always want to be lit up from the inside. Um, Part of my story is that I've had quite a, a lot of one night stands in my past. And, um, I, you know, as soon as that's over, I forget the name of the person I was with. Like, I forget the experience. It, does, it doesn't matter. And to me, you know, the difference between even conscious contact and conscious companionship is an intimate relationship, you know. And um, I looked up the definition of companionship, and it's just, you know, frequently spending time with someone. And um, I, I don't know how to do that, right? Like, how do I develop a relationship with God that is full of these incredible light bulb moments where I'm just brought to my knees and in, in love and gratitude? But then also, you know, how do I do it when things aren't going my way or when I'm annoyed or frustrated or, you know, it's just not jazzy enough? Like, and, and I think I'm so grateful that they use the word companionship rather than just contact because that's what I have problems with as an addict. I always want to feel high or low. I want to feel intense, you know, and relationships in my experience aren't like that, you know. Some of it is orgasmic, but a whole lot of it is just kind of like sitting and watching TV together or taking out the trash or whatever it is. And um, and today I'm grateful that God is with me in those moments, but those are the moments when I really struggle with agnosticism. I don't struggle in the moments when I'm brought to my knees. Um, it's all the rest of, of the time when I can lose my faith in God, when I've had an incredible lightning bulb experience. And then, you know, a day later, a week later, sometimes 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I forgot about you, you know, and, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, you know, I can be a little like a goldfish and have a two-minute memory. Um, and God just loves me. And the more time I spend with God, the more my belief grows and then the more likely I am to be in that position of being willing to stand under God. But I'm not always, and that's okay. You know, the relationship that I'm developing is real and I've never had that before. And so I'm grateful and humbled and um, also hope not to lose sight of the fact that I am capable still, you know, of forgetting God. And that if I walk away from that conscious um, 
companionship, I, I will go back to the food. So with that, I'll pass, and thanks so much. Thank you so much, Dara. Okay, we're on page 56. The third paragraph starts with this man recounts. Reading that one paragraph, and although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share? Nancy PM. Ken WH. Sonia S. from Philadelphia. Part B. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I heard Nancy, I think it was S. I'm not positive about that. Janice PM, Ken WH, Sonia, I don't know the initial, and Pat B. Was there anyone else I missed? Okay, well, let's go with that list. That's five people. We have 15 minutes. So uh, Nancy S. followed by Janice P.M. Go ahead, please. Hi, this is Nancy M. in Florida. M. And, um, yeah, this is really um, an amazing chapter and a paragraph because um, – my father died when I was 19 years old, and I prayed and prayed he was sick, that he wouldn't die, and he died. And I said a big F you to God for most of my adult life. And I went through a lot of crappy crap in my life. And when I finally got into a program, and I was at rock bottom in my life, and I realized God is not a puppeteer in the sky who I can ask for things and, you know, he'll, he'll make things happen for me, that he's just the inner strength and the inner power that I need to get through life. Everything changed for me. And um, for those of you who can't, you know, who have an angry concept of God based on experiences in your life, you know, I encourage you to understand that God is within us to carry us through those things in life. And for me, it has just been a shift. He's my constant companion. Um, He helps me when I'm full of fear or resentment. Um, He helps shine a light within me so I'm able to carry that light to other people. And, um, yeah, and when I have that connection with my higher power and I have that total companionship, my outlook on life changes. I'm more positive. I'm smiling. And because of that attitude, the experiences that I have in my life are better. So it's all... um, it's just all so connected, and it's it's such a wonderful thing. And if you would have asked this 19-year-old back then that I would ever have a relationship with a higher power, I mean, it, this has just been truly a miracle for me. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy M., as in Mary. Janice P.M., you're up, followed by Ken W.H., well, good morning again, Katie, um, Katie F., and thank you. My name is Janice P.M. I'm a recovered, gratefully um, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, you know, <clears throat> for those that are new, for those that are relapsing, for those that are coming back, for those that have recovered, 
um, this is step two, and I need step two every day. Uh, you know, when I first came in, I was exhausted. I was exhausted from all my own self-reliance in my thinking. No, I was trying to, to, to find a way, the perfect way to, to get on to life, and I just couldn't. But this step teaches me, and I heard this in 1982, or maybe afterwards. I remember the girl that said it. Um, and she said, you know, first of all, I need to, need to open my mind to new ideas. In this, in this step, it doesn't tell me, oh, yeah, you have to understand. You have to get a God. You know, it says about a power. Now, the question for me is, open your mind, Janice. Don't be so closed mind to all your wonderful old ideas that didn't work. And your attitudes, this is all about my thinking, that didn't work. And all your emotions that were, were failed you, this is about the need, the need for a higher power than you. This is, the, this is what caught my, my ears is, okay, do I really need a higher power? The answer for me is absolutely. So this is the beginning. It doesn't tell us who to believe, that you have to believe. It tells me that I have to at least have the willingness to believe. Do you need it? Do you need this higher power or are you okay? You can go on to yourself. Well, of course. I know I didn't I couldn't do it myself. And so I had to surrender to the idea, to the thought that I really need because the first step told me, Janice, you are powerless. You don't have to understand this power. Doesn't tell me this has to be it, this, this and this. But you need a power in order to survive, in order to act. So open up your mind. Don't be so closed-minded to your own ideas. They don't work. And what I do every day as a new little prayer is I say, please, right now, because I'm recovered and I found out through the steps, he revealed himself. I got access to my higher power, whom I named God. That's after I did the steps is Please, God, remind me of your awareness of your presence because I forget. I forget and I go to the worldly things. And now I have a companion other than time, please. Yes, certainly. Other than money. And I call him my creator. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Janice. Um, Ken WH, you're up, followed by Sonia. Thanks, Katie. This is Ken W.H., Recovered Compulsive Eater from uh, North Carolina. I'm just struck by uh, the metaphors that are just all over this paragraph. Um, and um, the um, the one that gets me the most, I think, is the uh, being overwhelmed by a great tide at flood. Wow. What a picture. And that these the barriers... And, and I think of those barriers often for myself as the things I put up in the way of intimate relationships, uh, period, not just with God. Uh, they were my protection, or at least I thought so. Um, 
you know, like we say, the, the solution was the food, uh, my protection. But those were swept away. And again, the passive voice here, they were swept away by something else, something greater than me. I didn't move them out of the way. I didn't clean up my own act like that and, and get, get good real fast. Uh, they were swept away. And um, there's a sense here of uh, utter danger when this flood, this great flood, overwhelming flood of God comes flying in here. I mean, something in me is probably going to die um, because I'm thoroughly helpless. Um, I'm surrounded I'm surrendered to this power. I don't have any control over this overwhelming flood. And it turns out that the flood became the vehicle that literally carried me to a safe and uncluttered shore where uh, I was basically dropped off, laying there on the beach, absolutely naked and thoroughly exposed, vulnerable, and wide open to uh, whatever was coming next, but there I was, alive. Uh, I was through the overwhelming flood, so to speak, and then living in the aftermath of having been swept away, literally swept away from my old self and all of that other stuff uh, put into the, the loving arms of this great flood, this overwhelming flood of love. Uh, but I'm I'm super blessed this morning, and I'm just grateful to be here. Thanks, Katie. Bye. Pass. Thank you, Ken W H. Okay, Sonia, you're up, followed by Pat B. I believe it is. Sonia Star One. Okay. Well, I thought I heard a Sonia here. Um, Pat B, how about you? Go ahead and share. Hi, this is Pat B from uh, Ontario, Canada. Can you, you can hear me? Yes. Okay. So this idea of con- of conscious companionship, so amazing. I did not realize that all my life I had been living in unconscious companionship with God. God is what breathes me god is what moves me there's i can't remember how many it's like three thousand three hundred thousand processes going on in our body at any one time and they're all god god is digesting my food god has created all this amazing stuff that's happening to me that i'm unconsciously just taking for granted i don't have to think about how am i going to walk how am i going to stand up how am i going to It's so amazing. How am I talking? How am I putting together coherent thoughts to express myself right now? It's all God doing this for me. God has been doing for me all my life, and I have been totally unconscious and ungrateful about it. I remember the day that I became conscious of God within me. I was sitting in the hospital waiting room in intensive care my husband had had a, a, a terrible head injury, and I realized I was sitting there saying the serenity prayer over and over and over. I'd just been in OA for like six months when this happened. And I, I realized all at once 
that I felt this warmth in me, this, this, I, I can only describe it as love, this feeling of, of absolute love within me. And I sat there knowing that no matter what happened, everything was going to be okay, that I would never, ever be alone, that God was with me all the time, always had been. It's kind of like God was knowing that, that this terrible accident was going to happen, had prepared me all my life. I was now a compulsive overeater, had brought me to OA where I had discovered the solution. And here I was, the, a big test to put it into action. And it just, everything changed in that moment. It was amazing. And I am ever so grateful to know that conscious or unconscious, God is always with me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pat B. And Sonia, are you back? Okay, I guess not. So um, if uh, we have time for one more share, who would like to take that spot? Pedro B. Two minutes. Okay, go ahead, Pedro. You have two minutes, please. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. Thank everybody for your share. Uh, thank you for your presence. Uh, yeah, um, for me, you know, the the one line that uh, stands out is this, this idea of uh, uh, where it says, he lives in conscious companionship with his creator. And, you know, like my friend said, this is about step two, like coming to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And um, uh, just like he says, you know, a little bit earlier on page 55, we found the great reality deep down within us. You know, this idea that, uh, you know, being in conscious contact with this power is is the most important thing in my life today. You know, just like it's this lack of power is our dilemma. We have to find a power, a power that will solve uh, our problem, right? So the fact that we are not eating compulsively, this power is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I should speak in the ice statement. This power. And the most important thing is this relationship, this connection that I see. I realized that this God, which is one of the most beautiful statements in this book, God, as you understand that, the way I understand, if God is within me, so I can go to God and say, like he says, uh, may you find him now. At any moment, I can say, God, so what do I do now? Because it's all about now. Now is the time. Now is the time to work this program. Now is the time to be connected with this power that wants the very best for me. It wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, this power, is, I realize this, is within my nature. Is the goodness in my nature. It wants the very best for me. It wants me to be honest with myself. It wants me to be, to have faith, to have hope, to be loving, to be kind. It wants me to be the very best human being that I can be. And all I need is to be connected to this power. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Pedro. Okay. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Friday, January 20th, 7 a.m. meeting is 
19,872. That's 19872. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Tenzin P please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you very much, Tenzin P, checking in from New York. What a beautiful meeting again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you very much.